0: We're starting a brand new series today, and I wanted to highlight stuff that I think we all have in common. We all have in common that we need a little bit of food every day. I like a lot of food, but we only need a little bit of food, a little bit of water, some shelter, a little bit of love, right? Those are all things we have in common. What we all have in common are that dogs are better than cats. Can anybody attest to that? All right, I I, I say that, I say that, and for years I've been saying that, but I literally, I own a cat and don't have a dog, so I'm a stinking hypocrite today, so I just wanna call myself out for that. Um, But the other thing that I think almost all of us have is we would all like to get back to normal. Wouldn't we just all like to get back to normal, and I'm with it, you're with it, yeah, absolutely. But here's the deal, here's the deal. We should be careful not to waste this time of our lives, because what normal is, and we'll get back to normal someday, but what normal is, six months ago or eight months ago, it was not perfect, and everything was not exactly where it should be, and we want to talk about how do we return not to normal, actually a phrase that I kind of hate these days, but I have to use it because it's so appropriate, how do we return to a new normal? And I'm tired of hearing this phrase, but I'm wondering if maybe we could return not to a normal but a new normal that our lives are in a better place because we decided to make it a better place and invite God into our lives. The question with that is what did we learn through this tough time we've been through? What can we carry forward that we learned into the future? Because we've all been through some stuff. I mean, we went through the toilet paper wars. You remember that? I think I punched one of you out to get a roll of toilet paper six months ago, so I apologize for that. I didn't, but it would have been funny if I did. Local pastor, in jail, toilet paper punching. Anyway, toilet paper, right? And then there was a whole, what about our jobs? And Are the food trucks going to make it to our part of the country? There was all that. And then we had the, max, the mask wars. Should you wear one? Shouldn't you wear one? Do I have to wear one? I'm making a stand not to where I mean, there was a whole, now there's a vaccine thing. Not to mention, we're in the middle of a piping hot red election that feels like the country's going to blow up. Half the country's burning. There's going to be 27 hurricanes that are going to hit in the next 30 minutes. I mean, does it feel like, woo, we're in trouble? Doesn't it feel like that a little bit? I mean, I feel it. I'm sure you feel it. The question is, What can we learn from it? How can we carry forward? Here's one thing you may have learned that you can absolutely change somebody's core value on Facebook by posting a video that you found secretly on the internet that that no one knows about. Have you discovered that truth in our world? Yeah, we all have seen that. Like this is really gonna change everybody's mind that disagrees with me. We haven't learned that either because we all seem to still wanna do it. But what if in the middle of this crisis, We could ask this question, this is the series we're in, how how can we be better for it? Because you don't want to waste a tragedy, you don't want to waste a mess, you don't want to waste a trying time because we can learn from it. This is what we would say, pain without gain is just a shame. To go through pain like all of us have is just a shame. And for some of you, you're like, Matt, it's not COVID-19 or elections or racial tensions, it's my own personal stuff i got stuff in my own marriage or my own family or my own health that's going on and i i get it and you may not feel like you're ready to even think or talk about it and i i don't know your pain but we should ask god how can we be better for it if you're a christian or you're not because the tendency for all of us is to rush back to normal and forget what we could have learned through this a person that talks about this so well is C.S. Lewis. Um, he was this amazing theologian, a man of God, writer, who wrote the Narnia books. This is what C.S. Lewis in his book, um, The Problem with Pain, writes about this subject. He said, my own experience, talking about himself of course, is something like this. I am progressing along the path of life in my ordinary, contentedly fallen and godless condition. C.S. Lewis knew who he was. Absorbed in a merry meeting with friends for the morrow or a bit of work that tickles my vanity when suddenly, we've all felt this, a stab of abdominal pain that threatens serious disease, disease scares us, or perhaps a headline in the newspaper. For us, that would be a headline on Twitter or flipping on Fox News or CN News, whatever news yours is, and that threatens all of us with destruction. We see that every day, don't we? And it sends this whole pack of cards tumbling down. And at first, he says, I am overwhelmed and all my little happiness look like broken toys. Then slowly, reluctantly, bit by bit, I try to bring myself into the frame of mind that I should be in at all times. So he recognizes something in the middle of his pain. And perhaps, he says, By God's grace, I succeed and for a day or two become a creature consciously dependent upon God and drawing its strength from the right sources. In other words, he's saying, I hit hard times or I hear about hard times or I get sick and in that moment, I decide to focus on God and lean into what God wants me to do. Whether I believe exactly right or not, I'm looking up towards God. And I love this next part. But the moment, the threat... Is withdrawn, And this, my friends, is where we live. The moment the threat is withdrawn, maybe you're married, and this story for you is my wife walked in or my husband walked in and said, if you don't stop doing, if you don't start doing, if you don't stop seeing that person, if you don't stop showing up late, whatever it is, I am going to leave you and it immediately gets our attention, doesn't it? And we come home early, we start to watch what we say, we go to counseling, we start to do the dishes, we start to help in some other area, we start to say, I love you. man." we even try and talk a little bit around the dinner table and express ourselves because we know there is a threat. But the moment that the threat is pulled back, we have a tendency to go back to our normal. Maybe you know, you're a single woman and you're charging ahead in life doing really well one day you find out you're pregnant. And if you have like a religious past or a faith past, it comes rushing back. And all of a sudden you start to lean into God like, God, what do I do and how can I fall? And you start hanging on to Jesus with both hands. And then you wake up one day and somebody tells you, hey, you're not pregnant. Mistake. I don't know if that ever happens, but mistake. Right? And the thread is pulled back and you just go back to normal. Maybe it's your health. And you finally went to the doctor and the doctor said, if you don't get a handle on your health, your diabetes, your heart issue, whatever, your cholesterol, you will not live to see Christmas and see your grandkids have a Christmas this year. And so what do we do? We get on the exercise bike and we watch what we eat and we move in a great direction. And if you're me, then you go back to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you're, you're doing so much better, good job, and I go home and eat two bowls of ice cream. I mean, that is my, that's my tendency to do that. We all have our own story about that, but the moment the pain is pulled back, he says... The moment the threat is withdrawn, my whole nature leaps, and I love how he says this, leaps back to the toys. God has had me, but for 48 hours or so, and then only by the dint of taking everything else from me, let him, let him sheath that sword, and for a moment, now pause just for a second, I'll read the rest. This is what we want to avoid in our life, drifting back to normal. In this series, and I just got to warn you up ahead of time, I'm going to poke and prod just a little bit. And you need to know this. In the last couple weeks, as I've thought about this, I've poked and prod my own heart to walk through this. But there is something about just drifting back to normal that if we could avoid and move in a better direction and be better for it, we would be better. Look what C.S. Lewis says. He says, let him sheathe that sword for a moment, and I behave like a puppy when the hated bath is over. Have you ever given your dog a bath, and you struggle, and you hold, and finally it's over, and you let go, and the dog rejoices that the pain is gone, right? What does your dog do? Like a puppy, he says, I shake myself dry as I can, and I race off to reacquire my comfortable dirtiness. If not for the nearest and newer heap, at least the nearest flower bed. Have you ever seen a dog do this? It's what we do, right? We get out of whatever painful thing we're in. in. God has our attention. Maybe it's why you showed up to church today. But when it's over, we just kind of rush back to normal. And it would be a shame for us to just rush back to normal. What that is is aspiring to normal, and that's not very aspiring. So we just want to simply ask this question for what we've all been through. How can we be better for it? How can you be better for it? We don't want to waste a bad time. We've gone through the pain. It would be a shame not to grow. And so what I'm going to ask you all to do is to take inventory of where you are right now and where you want to be. So question. There's a lot of questions in this message today. So prepare yourself. The first question is, what have I been doing that almost led to my undoing? How have I been tracking along that led to me almost falling completely apart or all the way apart? But the bigger question is not what have I been doing. It's what should I begin doing that I should have been doing all along. What, what do I need to begin today? Because we may be out of this hopefully, you know, in a month, maybe in six months. But when we're out of this, whatever this is, there'll be another that's coming down the pike. It's just the nature of our lives. And today I want to talk about three specific areas We just came off a series called Predicting Your Future, and it was all about direction and destination. It was like a big principle thing. Today, I specifically want to talk about three areas of life that I think we should pay attention to where we go next. Now, next week, make sure you come back because I'm going to talk about a superpower that God makes available to all of us. And you're going to want to hear about the superpower. Show up online, in the room, bring somebody with you. But there's three things I wanna talk about today that I think are super important in this season of all of our lives. And the first thing, to be really personal, is how can you and I be better for it financially? How can I and how can you be better financially for us? Because maybe what you found is where you were financially seven, eight months ago and then you hit this season, that's all we've been through, um, has caught up to you. Here's the better question, what do you wish? What do you wish you'd been doing financially that would put you in a better place now that all along you'd been tracking along that when you got to where you are now, you're like, oh, well, this is rocky, but I'm in a pretty solid place. See, the challenge is not just to feel bad about it. In fact, I don't really want you to feel bad about it at all today. I just want you to do something with it. And the challenge is, what do I do now that prepare me for the future? Now, for every one of these principles, and I'm going to talk about this more There's gonna be a whole part of this about just facing up to it. Not to make you feel guilty, not to make you feel ashamed, because I don't want that at all, but going, you know what? I'm where I am financially because I put myself here. And I'm not gonna blame my husband, I'm not gonna blame my wife, my boss, the economy. I just need to own up that I am where I am financially because I put myself here. I wanna give you two very basic, but I mean life-changing home run principles when it comes to all of our finances, that if we would think about this in everyday life, It would change the future for us. The first is this, and you've heard me talk about this in the past. I want is better than I owe. It's so simple, but it's extraordinarily helpful. I want what I don't need, because we want what we don't need, right? Is way better than I owe for what I don't need. You need food and I need food. We need a little bit of shelter, a little bit of love, a little bit of water. We can live on that. Everything else we have in our lives is what we want. And the problem with this is to want something doesn't cost you anything but a little bit of, oh, I wish I had, I'm a little unsettled, I really want. But when you owe for it, like you owe to the bank, you owe to American Express or Visa or a line of credit or creditors, once you owe for something you owe for it until it's paid off. And here's the problem. When you wanted it, you wanted it so bad you had to have it, then you bought it on credit. Six months later, you don't even want it anymore, right? You remember the car you had to have, and it was so shiny and beautiful, and two years later, you still have four years of payments left on it? And you're like, oh, I owe for this thing, and now it's not even pretty anymore. Once upon a time, you thought, oh, how do, we, how do we live with just one bathroom? We, can't, we cannot survive with just one bathroom. I mean, we could only like, live and breathe if we have two bathrooms because I have two daughters. Yeah, I've been there. I've done that, right? But you owe now on something that you can't afford, and it's puts you in jeopardy. The principle is I want is way better than I owe, especially for things that we don't need. The, the second thought is this. A financial hole is due in part to a lack of self-control. We're making these things rhyme, so maybe we'll all remember. But a financial hole, which maybe you feel like you're in today, is in part to a lack of self-control before the crisis. Maybe you were saying, listen, if only I had more. If only I had more money. If only I had made more. If only I had more, more, more. Now, at this point, for many of us, we're like, hmm. If only I had saved more. And the reason most of us, and most of us I say like 99.9%, the reason most of us don't have savings is because of lack of self-control. And that's nothing to beat yourself up about. It's just a place to start going, you know what? I need to figure out self-control. And now is the time to learn. When you open up the scriptures, and you look in the book of Proverbs, which is out of the ancient Hebrew scriptures, Solomon writes this amazing thing about self-control. This is what he says. He says, like... A city whose walls are broken through. Now, I don't know what you think about walls. Maybe you're for walls, you're not for walls. I don't care. You just need to know this. 3,000 years ago, walls were everything to a city or a village because you would build the walls around your village, and then when the enemies came, the warlords came, whoever it was came, they would bounce themselves off against the walls of your city. But what they would do is they would find the weakest part of the wall, and they would start to breach that wall and once they burst through they could overtake the city and overtake everybody and once the enemy got in the walls everyone inside lost control of their lives their control was over they lost their autonomy they lost their ability to be independent they were made slaves they were sold their wealth was taken and Solomon says yeah Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. In other words, when you lose self-control in your life, you open yourself up to losing control of everything. And here's what's interesting. In our world in America, we value control almost over everything else. Solomon sings lack. Next slide. Lack of self-control always leads to a loss of control. And you know this. You start to borrow too much, Your life is controlled by the bank. Your life is controlled by Visa. Your life is controlled by whoever you owe money to. And you can justify it 10 different ways, but you still lose control over your life. Another way to say that is the borrower is a slave to the lender. Maybe you've heard this along the way, that every person should have three to six months of savings. So if you lose your job, you have enough savings to get you through the next three to six months. And you may go, oh my gosh, I can't imagine saving that much. And the reason we react that way is because to do that takes an extraordinary amount of self-control. There is a constant, I'm going to say no to me, and I'm going to say no to eating out and buying shiny new things until I can pay with cash. That's why you need a financial plan, and it probably should start now. So let me just give you one big picture of where to start when it comes to your finances. If you wanna figure out how can I be better financially in the next six months, a year, six years, save more, so simple. Spend less and get out and stay out of debt. At all costs, but what about, what? I don't know, get out and stay out of debt. Save more and spend less. It's the way to put yourself in a controlling direction for your life because another season's gonna hit. And I don't wanna blame my boss, Pandemic I don't want to blame the economy. I don't want to blame the president I don't want to blame anybody else no matter who the president is I want to know that I did what I had to to put myself in a good secure place and own my part Of the pie so that's first How can you be better financially? You don't have to pay attention that I think you should and I think your heavenly father loves you enough He thinks you should second question How can you be better for it relationally? We've come through this mess, all the things that we've gone through. And this is what many of us have learned. Hey, friends and family are really important. To have someone that has your back in this season has been really important. But maybe the other thing you learned is there's some cracks in my marriage. There's some cracks in common ground when it comes to my teenage or grown children. What we've learned is restriction Restriction has highlighted the good and the not so good relationally. You went into quarantine? I mean, come on, we all faced this a little bit, didn't we? We went into quarantine and we thought our family was all good. And then I lived in the same house with them for a month. And I thought, I'm going to kill them all. I mean, if the rapture happens, just take them, God. I'll stay back here. It's just driving me crazy, right? And you saw some cracks. You know what pressure does to anything? It reveals cracks and it cracks them more. Okay, like finances, when it comes to relationships, the only way they get better is for you and I to completely own our slice of the conflict pie. I love what Alcoholics Anonymous says in their 12-step program about making amends. You make amends, you make things right with no expectation of things being made right with you. You wanna know how to make your marriage better? Take it from a guy that's banged his head on the wall too many times figuring it out. You go and you own your part of the pie and you don't worry about the other part of the pie. Here's a question for you. What if through this time you were able to look back through all the stress and all the pressure and look back and say, listen, this whole deal, it was the catalyst that saved my marriage. What if this was a time that you could look back and say that? What if you look back and say it was the catalyst To repairing my relationship with my son who's drifted away from me or was the catalyst that repaired the relationship to my daughter And, and now we have a relationship but it took work and effort but I made a decision how I could be better for what if this was this is what that was for you and for me and it's no wonder that Jesus and people that followed and wrote about Jesus talked about this over and over because the overarching principle That Jesus talked about was love people the way I've loved you. So the Apostle Paul comes along and he writes to this little church in Ephesus, just this one little verse. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Hey Paul, I mean, come on, you're Paul. How do we have great relationships? Be completely humble and gentle. And I read that, and I'm going to confess something to you. I don't like to confess my sins on stage, but I'm going to confess my sins to you. There is nobody in this room that struggles with humility and gentleness more than the guy on stage. Yet, I know from experience, because I trust what the Apostle Paul said, and certainly what Jesus said, if I want to have great relationships, I've got to humble myself, and I have to be gentle, because it's exactly what Jesus said when he came to the planet. It gets worse for some of us, he said, and and patient, oh my goodness, pa- come on man, patient. Bearing with one another in love, making every effort. Whoa, 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 okay. What, what, if, what if they don't make an effort? No, every effort, that's what you're making. You wanna make your relationship better with your wife? Every effort. Well, what if, what if she asked me, like, clean the toilets, every effort, you idiot. Clean the dang toilets, right? Whatever it takes. I gotta talk more, I gotta love, whatever it is. Every effort to keep the unity of the spirit the bond look at this word peace and you may not have huge turmoil in your house but you don't talk to your grown son and there's no peace in that or maybe you have turmoil you want this in your life and it would be a shame to miss this opportunity to grow and learn and be better for it how can you be better relationally how can you make it better last one the third area how can you be better for it personally how can you be better for it personally maybe you've asked some questions that you've never asked about God through this time in your life if you're not religious maybe this is what the conclusion you come to and it's simply this do you find yourself praying for the first time in a long time maybe you were in Sunday school growing up but you haven't prayed in years and all of a sudden through going through this stuff you're actually praying Like, God, are you there? This is Matt, but I need to talk to you. You know what? Can I just say this? If you're praying for the first time in a long time, and you've blown God off, and now you're paying attention, keep doing it. Your Heavenly Father is smiling ear from ear because you're talking to Him. Don't worry about getting it right or coming qualified. Just keep talking to God. That's an amazing thing. But if you're religious, maybe this has happened to you. Did you discover that your faith was more fragile than you imagined? Do you find yourself asking the question, you know, how God, why God, how could you God, I thought God? Here's the deal, regardless of where you land on the faith aisle, you should pay attention to this. And if you're really disappointed in God because he hasn't made things smooth in the last, you know, six months, six years, boy, maybe we need a better version of God. I saw or heard Andy Stanley just talk about this and I thought, I wanted you guys to hear just two minutes of him talking about this exact same thing. So I'm gonna step out, turn your attention to the screen and listen to what Andy has to say on this subject.
1: My friend, um, Kate Bowler um, said this and I wasn't sure if I'd heard her say it or actually had read it in her book, but here's her quote and I'll tell you how I found it in just a second. Here's, here's what Kate Bowler wrote. She says this, there's a little prosperity gospel in all of us. There's a little prosperity gospel in all of us. And the prosperity gospel is this gospel that says, basically good things come to good people and bad things come to bad people. That just kind of what goes around comes around and what comes around goes around. That you sort of earn your way through life and that God favors certain kinds of people because of their behavior. And in spite of the fact that you may reject that kind of theology, I think she's right. There is a little bit of that thinking in all of us that God owes me or if you don't believe in God that life owes me or karma owes me or somebody owes me because I have been a good person and I have lived a good life. Now, Kate is actually a professor at Duke Divinity School. Um, she's also a cancer survivor and she has written um, from her pain and she's basically put her life and her pain out there for the whole world to see and to examine in an effort to help people understand what it means to navigate difficult times. In fact, she wrote a little book that Sandra and I both read. It's entitled, Everything Happens for a Reason, and I love the subtitle, and Other Lies I've Loved. So. As I mentioned, I actually texted Kate to make sure I got her quote right and make sure it was either something she said or something from her book. And as we texted back and forth and I told her what we were gonna talk about, here's what she communicated to me in her text. She wrote this, she said, each of us through the accidental narcissism of wanting to be happy. Don't you wanna be happy? I wanna be happy. And in wanting to be happy, she says, we kind of find ourselves tripped up in this accidental narcissism. What an insight. We get confused about what we actually deserve. And then she wrote this. The world cannot help us know the difference between who is righteous and who is just plain lucky.
0: That line of the world not being able to help us know who's righteous and who's plain lucky, I think is brilliant. Because some of our assumptions are, God, if you really love me, nothing bad will ever happen. God, if you really love me, it'll all be easy along the way. And that's the prosperity gospel. Here's what you need to know. That God allowed the worst possible, possible thing ever to happen to the best person ever. Jesus, who is the best, perfect person, God's own son, was hung on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins and for life everlasting and for life today. And maybe through this pandemic, us getting better personally is finding a better version of God and a real version of God that never stops loving us, never stops walking with us, but bad things do happen because we live in a broken world. And I want to say something just to the Christians in the room. Once upon a time, our faith caused people to be burned alive for what they believe, and they did not rebel against it. They just decided to walk into the flames for what they believe. That's how much they believed in the message. This is just for Christians. The things that are inconvenient to you in our world right now, you are not burning at the stake. I promise you, I hate wearing a mask as much as you do. I hate the limitations as much as you do. No one is burning at the stake. Once upon a time, people gave everything for what they believed. The privilege just to be together. Let's not mess that up. I don't care what your view is, it's fine. Whatever your view on those things, it's fine. Don't confuse it for what people gave for their faith because they followed Jesus to the very end. Have a better version of God. Have a better version of love. Have a better version of what Jesus brought to us. I'm just going to go on a tangent. I wasn't going to say this. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're using the internet to smash people and hurt people that think different than you, you should not do that. You just shouldn't do that. We're called to a higher, higher standard. We don't air our stuff on social media. So, all right, done. No more ranting. Didn't plan to say that. Done. All right. So, so what that means is, hey, what if we decided we're going to be better for it financially? We're going to be better for it relationally. And we're going to be better for it personally. Because pain without gain, it would just be a shame in all ways. And we could be better in this journey for it. But you got to decide. you got to decide to be better for it. And if you're a pessimist about all things, it's going to be a little harder to decide. And if you're an optimist, you've got to make sure you're deciding in the right direction. Regardless, we do not like want to be like the character in C.S. Lewis's story. We don't want to behave like a puppy when the hated bath is over and run back to the manure pile or the flower garden and just get dirty again, we have a chance to be better in this season. One of the things I want you to do as we process through this series, I want you to consider creating a reminder. I want you to find something that you put in your pocket, you have on your kitchen counter, your bathroom sink, that reminds you, I've decided to be better for it. You can choose whatever you want, but sometimes a visual just reminds us, hey, you know what, I'm going to be better for it. In all my relationships, how I spend my money, when it comes to my heavenly Father, I want to be reminded over and over. So I want you to be thinking, what can you grab that's tangible, that you can have as a reminder in your life? You know what you're going to find is, you're going to be better in your relationships. You're going to find that people you have far more in common than uncommon with people, even if you disagree with some of the things they think. So wrap this all up. How can I be better for it? And what will help, rem- help me remember to do this? Because when we go back to normal, the new normal, we don't want to miss this opportunity. We don't want to settle. Just to go back to who we once were, because the reason things are uncomfortable now is what was going on before, maybe we weren't so well off as we thought. And in the future, we can follow Jesus into a better existence. Now, don't miss next week because we're going to talk about a superpower that God makes available to all of us. So make sure you come back. But this week, in your conversations with your spouse, your small group, a friend, talk about these three things, the financial part, the relational part, and your personal part. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am just so very grateful that we get to talk about this stuff and Lord, we get to be honest about our failures and our successes. And Lord, they all revolve around you and what you've taught us and what you gave when You gave your life for us. I pray we would not waste an opportunity for the pain and the discomfort we've gone through to grow and become better people and better followers of you. That people would see us and they would realize we are not perfect people as followers of you. But we are leaning in to things that are good and right wholesome. And for the person that's in the room, they're not sure what they believe. Maybe their next best step would just be to come back next week and be a part of what you're doing in this local church. Thanks for your love, and thanks for letting us love you back. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.